Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Folks, we're still in our spring fundraising campaign. And I'll just take a quick moment to say a few few words about that, and then we're going to get into the subject of today's broadcast, which basically we're going to be covering what is a great awakening. What does it mean to to have revival? You know, we speak of revival. We Christians have all declared, oh boy, God, send us a revival. We sing about revival. We pray about revival. We preach about revival. But the truth is, very few of us in our day and time have really experienced a Holy Spirit moving revival. Nothing like what we've read in the past, what we saw in the Isles of Britain and other places in Europe and through history. We've seen the working of God in such a revival where it just flows from one city to the next, one neighborhood to the next, from one county to the next, and one island to the next. And it lasts for months and months, not just, you know, where we have a revival tent meeting and stuff. And we've seen many workings of God from time to time. But in our generation, most of us here, we've kind of had a falling away. I suspected that we were close to a moving of a revival back when COVID was beginning to swing in. I really felt in our time, at least for us here at Fortress of Faith and the ministry and things that was going on, when COVID was breaking down, they were shutting down, locking down everything. Fear had gripped our community. We didn't know really how bad this virus was going to be. I had a six-week revival here in North Carolina. Every day, we had a drive-in revival. We couldn't have meetings. The governor said, you know, you can't meet in homes and stuff there. But he didn't restrict people to get in their car and drive to a shopping center. And we set up a big platform and speakers, and we had a radio. It was going out into people's cars. We had a great time. I preached uh, every night for six weeks except for one night of those weeks there per week. I'd let another preacher step in and that was a welcome relief there and I don't mind telling you I was tired <laughs> at the end of that but I tell you there there was a moving of the spirit of God and I I'm, I'm going to share with you a broadcast that I did back then while we were in the midst of this and I began sharing and discussing with you our listeners one of our main goals here it's not really to expose and stop Islam. It's what was what main thing. It's one of the things that we do. That's a big thing. One of the main things. But don't take away from the fact that we're we're really about revival. Why do I talk about Islam? Why do I talk about the threat of Islam and the threat of of uh, of Marxism coming into our country? Because these are enemies that have the ability to destroy us and bring our nation to nothing. If we continue in our national sin, which we we are, we keep going in this direction. For 10, 11 years now, I've been preaching warning America and and our neighbors here to the north that we better repent. If we don't, God's bringing judgment. And I still believe it. I still believe it as, as strongly as I did when I started. And the enemy is still there. The enemy is still in the wings. And God is uh, developing judgment upon us if we do not repent. But we can turn. We can repent. And your support of this ministry is vital for us to keep on the radio. We can't do it without you. We're partners together in this. So would you help us with a donation to help us get to our goal? The goal is $20,000. We're moving the needle slowly, but we're getting there. 
Would you help us with a call? The number to call is 800-616-0082. Again, that's 800-616-0082. Would you bless us with a donation today? Or you can give safely, securely online at fortressoffaith.com, fortressoffaith.com. If you want to send a check but don't know our address, please give us a call. The number, again, is 800-616-0082. Okay, well, let's get into it. What is revival? What is a great awakening? Let's look at that today. Well, what is the working of revival? I mean, how does this actually work? I've been preaching now four weeks of revival in North Carolina. I have family out here, and I spend, you know, I have, I have a home here, and, and I deal with ministry on the East Coast and the West Coast and in between as I crisscross the nation. And the Lord has opened an opportunity for us to have this drive-in revival. Oh, folks, it's been amazing. It really has. And we've been talking about prayer. And we started a national prayer room. And we invite you to join us each each day, Monday through Friday, each weekday. We start at 12 o'clock noon on the East Coast time. That's 9 a.m. on Pacific Coast time, just after my broadcast ends on KARI, our home station. And you can join us, and you uh, to, to do that, you can go to our website, fortressoffaith.com, fortressoffaith.com. Click on the link. It will take you to the Zoom room that you can uh, register and join us in prayer and call on God for revival. We have got to stop talking about wanting revival and not putting forth the work that's involved to bring revival. Revival comes when God finds vessels that are genuine, that are um, serious about this. And that's why I think it's elusive to us because we're not willing to put in the effort to pray and pray consistently. And I've been talking often about these revivals that I have studied and the one that is so remarkable to me each and every time I keep getting drawn back to it because I see so much of it following the pattern of <clears throat> of second Chronicles 714 so well in others there it's there but not as clearly seen and the record of this revival and the testimony of the first-hand witnesses of Duncan Campbell himself is so profound and here's what he said, and I'm going to read from the transcript of, his, uh, of him giving his testimony of the Lewis Island Awakening there off the coast of Scotland in the Hebrides. And he said, first of all, of course, it was the awareness of God. That, to me, was the outstanding thing, the presence, the fear of God in the parish and in the neighboring parishes. You could speak to any person and you would find them thinking about God and crying for mercy. And then he recalls the second thing that was of such significance. These two things were so paramount in the revival, in, a, in an awakening. And you'll read this also in the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening in America, and in the Second Great Awakening, and any great revival, you'll see first, their, their awareness of the holiness of God. And secondly, it was their deep, deep conviction of their own sin. 
I mean, the preaching, the kind of preaching that gets involved in revivals of Great Awakening is calling men to understand their wickedness and their enormities of their crimes before God. And I want to read to you from an old book. I mean, this goes back to the 1600s. It was written by Joseph Aileen. We call it Aileen's Alarm. He was a graduate of Oxford University. Probably you've heard, you probably haven't heard of Joseph Aileen, but you no doubt have heard of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great pulpiteers of the uh, late 1800s in London, a very eloquent man. He himself, I mean, just reading his messages and, and just reading them and referring to them is proof enough. But I want to go to uh, Joseph Helene. This is who Charles Haddon Spurgeon would read. These are the men that, uh, that influenced Spurgeon. He was a Puritan. And here he writes what happens to a man who becomes enlightened. When they, uh, when they get awakened and, and God manifests himself in such a way, here's what happens to a man. He that formerly thought that there was little hurt in sin now comes to see it to be the chief of evils. He sees the deformity and the filthiness of sin so that he is affrighted with it, loathes it, dreads it, flees from it, and even abhors himself for it. He that could see little sin in himself and could find no matter for confession now sees the rottenness of his heart, the desperate and deep pollution of his whole nature. He sees himself altogether filthy, corrupt, both root and branch. He writes, unclean, upon all his parts and powers and performances. He discovers the filthy corners that he was never aware of, and he sees the blasphemy and theft and murder and adultery that is in his heart of which before he was ignorant. He saw at one time no form nor comeliness in Christ, no beauty that he should desire him, but now he finds the hidden treasure, and will sell all to buy this field, Christ the pearl that he seeks. Oh, my friends, what brings true salvation to a man, to a woman, when they have godly sorrow? Second Corinthians tells us, for godly sorrow worketh repentance not to be repented of. It is that true contrition, the brokenness of a man's heart before God when he recognizes the enormity of their crimes before God. Instead of trying to fill their head with a false notion that they are a good person and that they have self-righteousness, that they're righteous in themselves, that they don't need God to save them, that God, when they prayed their prayer, God got a bargain when he joined God's team. That's not salvation. That's a false conversion. 
true conversion. And this is what revival does to a nation is when the uh, saint, when the uh, religious in the churches, and I believe our many of our churches are filled with false converts, and that's why we have so, uh, why it's so impotent today. And I fear there's even false converts in the pulpit preaching. And that's why we're offering chicken soup messages to warm and tickle their ears and warm the heart instead of preaching the judgment and damnation. We don't go there because it's not popular. But my friends, I'm here to tell you that if we want to see a revival in our nation, we have to turn to the truth. And the truth is, is that our sins have angered God, that we are in fear of his wrath. God has made a place to pour out his wrath. He made it originally for the devil and his angels. But if you deny your deny God the truth and live under the illusion and lie to yourself that you're a good person, you don't need to be saved, you're religious, and you, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, many, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done all these great, wonderful things? God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, we've got to get honest with this. We need to start praying to God that the power of the Spirit of God would reveal the truth of our own hearts and of our nation. If we expect our nation to get revived, we must get right first for judgment begins in the house of God.